We're going to look in the Bible at Luke chapter 5 where Jesus shares one of those stories and it's about the issues related to change. So now just take a deep breath for a moment. Nobody likes to talk about change and that includes me. It's difficult and it's hard and for the most part we are, for good reasons, resistance to change. I remember I was at a conference a number of years ago. I was leading one of the breakout sessions. And when you're at these events and you're teaching, they typically have sessions for teachers prior to the actual conference. And so all the leaders and teachers were in a room prior to the conference and the keynote speaker's talking to us and he's talking about change. And, and his illustration really struck me and I've always thought about it since then. Everybody in the room is a leader of change. They're known for that. That's why they're there. And he, he makes the comment. He asks the question of the crowd, he, he says, how many of you love to get on the back roads with nice curves and nice hills in a, in a sports car or on a motorcycle? And I'm immediately flashing back to my motorcycle days and how much Carrie and I used to love riding the bike and doing that and finding the most curvy, rounded hills, just the best rides we could in, in the rural parts of Texas. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's so great. And so everybody's doing the same thing. They're going, that, that's so awesome. And he's just letting us kind of have this moment where we're going, oh yeah, that's fun. I love to drive there. Love. And he goes, have you ever been a passenger? And I stopped for a minute. No. And he said, riding in a sports car on curves and hills is not nearly as fun if you're not the one holding the wheel. And his point was, leaders of change have to understand and deal with and, and grasp the reality that the process of change and, and, and the change that happens is not necessarily fun for the one who's not instrumental or leading or driving the change. And I think Jesus understands that. In, in Luke chapter 5, actually, Jesus is beginning to lead and help initiate significant quantum, however you want to describe, exponential change is about to take place and not everybody's going to be comfortable with it. And he uses this little story, I think, to remind us that change does happen, change should happen, and when it does, we have to be prepared to live in the midst of that change to be able to negotiate and experience it in a way that we don't get lost in the change and we don't lose ourselves in the change and hopefully, particularly spiritually, we don't lose our spirituality, we don't lose our faith, we don't, we don't lose our confidence in God when situations, circumstances, and things that we are comfortable with change. And so Jesus shares this little parable in Luke chapter 5. It starts in verse 33. Just listen to it for a second. And if you've got your Bibles open, you've got your Bible app open, you can look at it. You've got the notes available if you're a new version. Just listen to this story as it unfolds. In verse 33, Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Then they said to him, and here is a typical, honest and legitimate change question. John's disciples fast often and say prayers. And those are the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders of Jesus' time. The, those of the Pharisees do the same. But yours, you can feel the criticism, but yours 
eat and drink. Jesus, this is the interpretation of that. You and your disciples are not doing what we've always done. Jesus responds in verse 34. But you can't make the wedding guest fast, that is, abstain from food and drink, while the groom is still with them. Can you? But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable, one of his stories. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will spill and the skins will be ruined. No, new wine is put into fresh wineskins. And then some of your translations will include this parenthetical statement that's in the original language. And so both are preserved. When you put the new wine into wineskins, both the wine and the wineskin is preserved. Then the concluding statement in verse 39, and no one after drinking old wine wants new. Because he says the old is better. The old is good. In this little story, I think there's just four little principles I want to share with us that help us embrace, understand, and quite honestly, survive change. One of those is to simply embrace the moments. Now, I'm going to have to confess something here. A part of this I understand only academically. I have practiced since I became a Christian, or very quickly after I became a Christian, I have practiced abstinence. So I have no familiarity with wine whatsoever. Now, if you do, don't raise your hand because we're still human and judgment takes place, and we're not going to go there today. So I thought through the process. I understand the basic principles. Wine is going to expand when it ferments. That's what bursts the wineskin. If you put the new wine in an old wineskin, I understand that. But I don't have personal experience. As a part of the authenticity of our church, we like to share from our own personal experience. So I'm going to use as an illustration today not wine, because I don't have any experience with it, but ice cream, because I, I have a lot of experience with ice cream. And the very first principle that Jesus points out is embracing the moment. And I have that experience with ice cream, because at different times, in different circumstances, at different phases, in different points in time, the moment changes, and we have to understand the moment. Now, those who are questioning Jesus about why his disciples are not fasting, they're not bad people, they're not overly critical people, but they have walked into a perception of the disciplines of spirituality that Jesus isn't practicing. You've had that experience in church probably at some point in time that the church or the people you know are practicing something or they're not practicing something, and it may be something that you've always practiced, but now... They're not practicing it. And Jesus just simply, his simple explanation is, look, there are moments, and you have to embrace those moments. Right now, referring to himself in the context historically, 
Jesus says, I'm not going to ask the members of the wedding party to fast while the bridegroom is here. There will come a time when the bridegroom's going to be gone. Jesus is talking about his coming to earth, his being flesh, his being the Savior, having come from heaven as God in person on earth. And he's saying, while I'm here, enjoy it. Because I'm going back to heaven. I'll send my spirit to be with you, and you'll have opportunity to be with me. But there will be times when it won't be as obvious as it is right now. And in those times, you'll need to fast. You'll need to live out this discipline because it'll help you be closer to me and it'll help manifest and mature your faith. That's what Jesus is saying in this moment. But he's telling them, embrace the moment because the moment's going to shift. I consider myself semi-expert on the topic of ice cream. I have visited factories where they build ice cream, make ice cream, and I have been a connoisseur. But I have not been a connoisseur the entirety of my life of the same type of ice cream. When we were first married and we were making those motorcycle rides, we had this habit. We would go out riding, we would be in the country, we would finally come to a gas station or a convenience store or someplace, and we would stop and we would go in. Now we're young, we don't have children, we both are employed at the time, and life is honestly pretty sweet right at this moment. And so we felt the desire, the urge to succumb to extremely expensive ice cream because we believed it was the very best. And it was in that moment. But that one pint of ice cream we would buy at the gas station and go find a park bench or, 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 or a picnic table outside the gas station and sit there and share that one pint of absolutely supreme, brilliantly made ice cream that cost more than the rest of the whole counter of ice cream it was great in that moment. But it didn't take too long that we enjoyed so much being with one another that um, a bit of a surprise came one Christmas and we had our first child. Carrie quit work to stay home. The bills started mounting up. Wasn't too many years later, we had our second child. And the next thing I know, we're in this new season where we can't afford the expensive pint of ice cream. And besides that, we quickly, we didn't know all the rules. Carrie may, she may want to rebut this. Um, but as far back as I can remember, pretty quickly we started teaching the kids how good ice cream was. But now we're buying discount ice cream in bulk. Because that's what we could afford. And the moments continue to shift throughout life. We got a little bit further on in life and we found an ice cream we really liked made right here in Texas and, and we just loved it and we became adamant, ardent, obnoxious followers of that ice cream. They had some factory issues at one point in time and before supply chain was an actual term that was commonly used, there were supply chain issues. Another manufacturer of ice cream, and we thought that was the best, it could never be any better. But another manufacturer stepped in in the void of that moment and we started eating that and we decided we really liked it. It was also made in Texas. We're loyal to our state. We love the state of Texas and um, we love being here. And so we're still eating Texas ice cream. The kids grew up, went off to college, 
My parents assisted some, so we didn't totally go bankrupt in those years. And it was just the two of us again, and it's just the two of us now. And so every once in a while, we still now stop at a gas station and buy that pint of ice cream that's so unbelievably expensive because it's imported. But for the most part, we still like our Texas ice cream, but we can afford it now. The common denominator was ice cream, not the same type. And the common factor was that our times and our season, our moments, had to be embraced because it shifted. It doesn't make one any better than the other or any more appropriate than the other. There were just changes. One of the things that makes change hard is we have a natural tendency, and this is to be expected, we have this natural tendency to want to avoid change because it's very comfortable and it's very settled when we're sure what we like. And if the circumstances change, then we have to consider changing, and oftentimes we're resistant to that. And so Jesus acknowledges, yes, you're right, John the Baptist, his disciples fasted, Yes, you're right, the Pharisees fast. But my disciples are my disciples, and while the bridegroom is here, they're going to celebrate because there will be ample opportunity after I'm gone to fast. Don't get so locked in on what we think is the absolute right discipline or principle that we miss the reality of the moment. The next section in this passage of scripture starts in verse 36, and it is embracing the complexities that happen with change. Change is not easy. So I, I am not going to, I am, I am not here this morning to try to convince you that change is easy. Change is not easy in things that are very important to you. You take the most valued aspects of your life, things like your family, things like your faith, and if change implements or impacts those areas, it's painful. And Jesus describes that with a story that describes trying to mix new material with old material. Now, I'm not much better at understanding material and sewing than I am understanding wine. We have a group, they meet on Tuesdays, and they sew, and they sew beautiful things. And they understand this principle that the material has to be new material on new material. It has to be pre-shrunk material on pre-shrunk. They understand that it simply doesn't work to mix all the old with the new. They get it. They understand it. Come on Tuesdays. They will be glad to help you and tutor you and mentor you as you make a quilt and understand the fabric. I don't do that. I go because they have coffee and they have snacks. And so I go by and visit them. And I like most of them. Change is complex. Well, I didn't really mean it that way. I like all of them. I, I enjoy being with them. Complex, there's, a, there's a complexity to this. And it, it's not always going to work. And it's potentially going to be painful. We just have to embrace that complexity. If our environment's changing, if our surroundings are changing, if the dynamics at our office are changing, if, if, if the dynamics in our church are changing, if the dynamics in your family are changing, embrace it. It's okay to say, I don't like this. It's okay to say, this is difficult. It's okay to say, this is hard. 
and especially if you're trying to mix and make the old work on the new or the new work on the old or the old work in the new or it's just hard and so it's okay I watched a television show last night from 1962 an old black and white television show it's about police officers. I love police officers. I love law enforcement. Most of my best friends are law enforcement. We have lots of law enforcement in our church and love you guys and pray for you all the time. But the chief of police had issued a new set of structures. And the two detectives were going back and forth. One's going, well, this won't work. It shouldn't be in this department. It's always been in this department. The other's going, well, maybe it will work better. Maybe it'll be. It was a classic change scenario. Change had come down from on top. Neither one of them had the authority or the ability to stop the change or make the change different. They had to adjust to it. And they had to acknowledge it's hard, it's difficult, it may or it may not work. But that doesn't make it wrong. It's just tough. We do, we do this as families all the time. We went from having no kids, plenty of resources, plenty of time, to having kids. A shortage of resources and a shortage of time. But I wouldn't go back and reconsider that decision. We were bored and we needed new pets and our son and daughter made that happen and we enjoyed it. And since then they have been stressing us out and they continue to stress us out as adults, but I'm not getting rid of any of them. I embrace the complexity of it. And they know that, this isn't a surprise to either one of them. Understand it's okay. To acknowledge that it's hard. And the truth is, I think part of what Jesus is saying that how this just doesn't work is a reminder to us that the more we fight it, if it's not immoral in nature, the more difficult it is. And the more we make our lives complex. Now there are times that things change that are moral. And we address that all the time in our teaching and we'll address it um, in the teaching related to this. But most of what we think is immoral may or may not be immoral. It's just not what we're used to. And we'll, we'll deal with that in just a second before we get to go to lunch. Embrace the moments. Change is going to happen. Embrace the complexities. I was furious when the ice cream company had their issues at the, at the factory and they couldn't manufacture. I would stand in the grocery store angry that I couldn't get my favorite ice cream. I refused to try new ones until finally Carrie said, this is all there is. You're either going to have this or you're not going to have it. And I gave in and tried it. And wow, was I ever surprised that it was actually better. It's not going to kill you if things change. It's not going to kill me. So we have to embrace solutions. Jesus says simply in verse 38, no, mixing this old and new isn't working real great. So you're going to have to create new. You put wine into fresh wineskins. And so both the wine and the wineskins are preserved. Now I've acknowledged my lack of expertise in this area, but the principle makes sense to me. We learn how to mix, we learn how to cope, we learn how to shift and change, and at the same time, we begin thinking creatively to find new solutions to correct existing problems 
and take that into the future. A new company made the decision to expand their line of products into ice cream and during the failure of the other company, did the experiments that were necessary, did the test tries that were necessary, did the focus groups that were necessary and released and produced a superior type of ice cream. It never would have happened if they hadn't realized moments are shifting and if they hadn't realized it's complex and something has to change and if they hadn't taken the time, the energy, and the resources to create a new solution. Yes, the mixture is tough and it's difficult, but embrace the solutions. And this, all of this applies to to church and, and to activities and especially spirituality, which was the focus of Jesus's point. I don't, there's so much I don't do the way I used to do it. I don't study the way I used to study. I have embraced, our church has embraced, we remind you all the time that we use the Bible app, we use the version Bible app, the former worship pastor and I spent over a year studying and using multiple Bible apps. We came to the conclusion the best for what we do in terms of us interacting with the scripture was version, and our church moved to version. We're on version. You can actually mark and set our church on the version app and you can get Bible plans and study plans from us and you can find the notes to all the messages and we've embraced it. I haven't fully embraced it. I still hold a leather-bound paper Bible partially because I struggle. I watch live streams from other churches and I see the pastors that use their phone I can pull my Bible up on my phone as fast, actually faster than I can in a Bible. I, was, I got saved too late to be a part of the Bible drill error. I don't know how they do Bible drills. I mean, who's got the fastest phone? I mean, I don't know how they do that. If you don't know what a Bible drill is, don't worry about it. It's something they used to do. Most places don't do it anymore. Some do. I understand. Somebody's out there going, oh, no, we do it. We do it. At First Baptist Church, nowhere that doesn't ever change. I mean, yeah, I know that. I know. So don't write me in the email. I already know. Um, Things change. Embrace it. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable teaching like that. Truthfully, I could teach easier. I could teach probably even better using my phone or using my iPad than actually holding the Bible and with actual paper notes that are typed out and printed and paper clipped into my Bible. In case you ever wonder what's in here, that the notes are in here which was kind of frustrating. This morning the printer wasn't working, so I had to go office to office and find a printer that I could actually send the notes to. You almost didn't have notes this morning, so you almost did have it. I'm not comfortable teaching from my phone. I'm old, but I'm not gonna condemn the whole solution because I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not gonna do that. The Bible app is reaching hundreds and hundreds of millions of people every year. And so I embrace it, I donate to it, I wanna be a part of it, and we've invited our church to be a part of it. We, we give Bible plan, we gave a Bible plan this past week, the new Bible plan on new version on my church. There's a Bible plan that not one of us had studied, 
but one of our members, a Bible study leader, a deacon, had emailed me this week, said, hey, I just finished this Bible plan. It was really good. It was about praying for the nations, and so it was a great time in the life of our country, in the life of our state, in the life of our county and community. It was a great time to focus on praying, and so I passed it on to Cody, who handles a lot of our tech, and said, hey, I think this is a good plan. Let's send it. I don't have to pick the plans. In fact, I'll challenge you right now. If you read a good plan on, on version, send it to us. Let us know. We cycle those plans about every two to three weeks, so there's always a new plan up in case you just don't know what to study in the scriptures, you don't know which devotions to pick. We give you one that we think is worth looking. We're not the caretakers of that. We just make it happen technologically. You, you read it, you study it, Send it to us. Send it to Cody, because all I'm going to do is forward it to Cody, but I'll read it as well, because I go to our church, and I pick up the Bible plan, whatever is there, and I read it along with you, because we're a community, and we're in this together, and part of embracing the solutions is let's do what works now and in this moment. The hardest part is actually the last sentence. In verse 39, Jesus just sort of tags this statement on. And no one after drinking old wine wants new because he says the old is better. I just simply want to close with this thought. Embrace your personal preferences. But understand, it's your personal preferences. I went through these cycles with the ice cream. The reality is even my favorite ice cream has changed. That first one in the little pint was chocolate, chocolate chip. Today, what's in our freezer at home is chocolate chip because the company we like now doesn't make chocolate, chocolate chip. I could be mad about it and I could grumble every time I eat plain chocolate chip, but the truth is I really, really like chocolate chip. And the vanilla part of it tastes really good. And their chocolate chips are high quality chocolate. But I could gripe, I could complain, I could grumble, I could make life miserable for my wife every time I go to get a bowl of ice cream. But I'm just not going to. It's just not worth it. It's my preference. And my preference isn't moral, my preference isn't righteous, my preference isn't holy. My preference isn't unchangeable. Read the very first chapter of the Bible. God likes change. So he took a void and made a world out of it. He took a world and made land and sea out of it. He took a sky and put stars and moons and sun created a universe that is always changing depending on the time of year. The constellations are different. He wasn't happy with just soil and water and he began to create fish and animals that teem in the ocean. Lots of different types. Created animals and livestock all across the face of the earth. All of them different Ironically, and I think Jesus makes it clear in this passage of scripture, God's okay with change, which is tough to process mentally because he himself never changes. 
but yet he himself initiates and creates change. Embrace our preferences. It's okay to have a preference. It's okay if I like chocolate chip and you like, what's your favorite flavor? All right, Kent and I are, Kent and I are a team. Mint, chocolate chip, vanilla bean. Rocky Road. Strawberry. What? Pecan praline. You and my wife would get along. I don't know why God created pecans. They serve absolutely no value. Ah, see what I mean? See what I mean? Classic example. That's my preference, not yours. It's okay to have preferences. Just don't demand them on everybody else. I tell you what, our team's gonna come up, we're gonna close out, we're gonna give an opportunity to make decisions because the greatest change God makes in our life is the change he makes in our heart when he becomes a part of our life. And I'll tell you, it will be complex and it will at times be comfortable, uncomfortable, but it will change everything, which is why we let him make those changes. And one of the biggest reasons we hesitate to trust in Jesus is because we're afraid of the change. But it'll be okay. If you have to ride in a sports car, let Jesus be the driver. It's as simple as that.